0: what's up you guys welcome back to me tv reviews i am your host mo and today we will be discussing american horror story season 11 episode 9 titled requiem 1981 1987 part 1 y'all i ain't gonna lie this episode was heavy as hell okay so I know it's the holidays, and so, you know, um, yeah, if this is not your gym, I definitely understand, but this is, well, to me, it was kind of heavy, but I'm a sap, so what do I know? So, um, let's go ahead and get, in, get into the episode. So, we start the episode off at Theo's funeral, and the priest is giving his eulogy, graveside, right, with Sam looking on. And Adam is still wondering why there's been no progress made in Theo's case as he stands with Gina and Patrick. And so the priest is still giving his eulogy when suddenly Sam passes out. Like he just collapsed, right? And so we see that his vision gets a little blurry, but we do manage to see him see Big Daddy Bane as voices start to whisper to him, Sam. Before he completely goes out, right? And so when he awakens, he's got a nurse grabbing his arm and he's trying to give him something. And so he tries to go fight him off, you know, like that's our natural response, right? But he manages to restrain him. And so he was like, I'm trying to, you know, keep you from pulling your IVs out, says Nurse Billy. Billy? Billy, is that you? Hey, wait, you're not a nurse, says Sam. And he was like, well, how would you know? You never asked me what I did for a living. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) But then again, it's very hard to hear under that leather hood. And he pokes him some more, right? And so, of course, Sam tries to fight him off again. And then we hear another voice that says, fighting with my nurse won't improve your condition, Sam. Y'all is Theo. And Sam calls his name, but he just says, "I'd prefer a doctor." But I see you've been admitted with pneumocystic pneumonia. And he explains that it's caused by a fairly common fungus, but because Sam's immune system is already jacked, um, you know, it's just completely taking over everything. And so he was like, he wants to leave to go to a real hospital and see a real doctor. And Theo was like, unfortunately, this is the only hospital that would take you. So, good luck with that. And so, um, he was like, you know, people are afraid of this thing. And they're also afraid of you, talking about Sam. So, y'all, I think Sam's time of demise is is getting real close and I can only assume that because he's seeing all of these, you know, people that have already transitioned over that maybe he's already unconscious or in a coma at this point. And so we see Sam as he holds on to this IV pole and he walks with Theo down the hallway and so he tells Theo that he doesn't remember what happened the night that Theo died and then he asks him did you intend to kill me, Sam? And Sam was like, I don't think so. And so he was like, okay, well, what about all of the others you killed? See, you went through life turning your head away from all these consequences of your actions. But in the end, it always catches up, okay? You have to answer to all of that shit, Theo says, okay? But now, Sam is getting real nervous. And he asked him, where's Theo taking him? And so he was like, I remember when I warned you that something was coming. Well, that something is here. And they both eye this hospital room. And so they get closer and Theo goes in, but Sam doesn't because he just gets like a bare whiff of what's in the room. And he was like, oh, hell no, like I'm not going in there. And so, we see that in the hospital room, there's this guy riding away in the bed, and like I said, Sam don't want to go nowhere near this dude, but Theo tells him that's precisely the reason why he needs to come in, because no one else wants anything to do with him. And he goes on to further explain that the guy coughing and riding away in the bed was actually, excuse me, I was actually admitted about a month ago, and Unfortunately, he has the same infection that Sam does. So, we already know that Sam does not have a good prognosis with this disease. And so, Theo tells Sam that the guy, Danny, is actually the first person they had a threesome with. And not only was he a beautiful person, but he was also a very talented writer Y'all, was that the guy who Sam met at the club that night? Y'all remember when they, um, when Gina went to the club that night to meet up with Henry, right? To try to get some info about who the Mata killer was. Y'all, was that the same guy that Sam was talking to that night? Because y'all remember the dude was like, he didn't want to ruin his rep because he had just moved out there. And y'all know who I'm talking about? I wonder if that's him. That's probably him. And so... Sam does remember him now that he mentioned that he was a writer. And Danny had even gave Sam some tickets to come see his one-man play. But, of course, Sam never went because it wasn't about him. And Sam never brought it up again. And so because he never brought it up, Danny just thought that he had came, but he actually hated the show. And so, you know, Sam... I mean, not Sam... Danny just always thought that Sam just couldn't find the courage or the words to tell him that he didn't like his play. But the truth is, he never even went to see it. And so Sam was like, you know, that's far from the truth. Like, I knew he was talented. You know, I should have went. And y'all, out of nowhere, Danny sits up, and he groans in pain. And while he's groaning in pain... I think he starts peeing blood because it's flowing pretty fast. But it's blood, okay? And so Sam immediately gets freaked out, right? Obviously so. Like, I I would be too. But Sam wants him to understand... uh, Not Sam. Theo wants him to understand the parallels of him being exposed to this and how he was exposing others to stuff they had never seen before. But... Y'all, I also think that this is in reference to him spreading the disease. Um, but there's more to see. That's what Theo tells him. And y'all, they go visit Barbabe Stew. And y'all, Barbe Stew, he was so cute. But he is a mere shell of himself at this point. Okay. He's hardly recognizable to anybody that would know him. He's got all of these lesions all over him his hair is falling out and it's moppy looking like it's just in splotches like it just it just looks really bad and so Theo says that Barbe Stu was actually sick before Sam locked him in his dungeon and he just didn't know it okay he didn't know it at the time but Sam was like I I didn't know I didn't know he was sick in you know all of this. And he says that he was coked up. And, you know, of course, things do get out of hand sometimes. And he was like, you know, I got a tendency to take things overboard. And so Theo was like, I, 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 I. It's always about you, Sam. But what about him? What about him? He needs compassion. He needs love. He needs, you know, some tenderness, too. And so he tells Sam to give him a kiss. And at first, Sam was like, oh, hell no. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not the right person to ask for that. And so he was like, okay, if you're not the right person, then who do who do I ask? And so Sam finally does relent and gives Barbe Stu a kiss on the forehead. So now they're back out in the hallway. And Sam is begging Theo to go lay down. Like, he he just wants to lay down so bad and get some rest. Kind of like how Theo was when he was with Adam before you drugged him and you killed him. Ah, oh, okay. And so Theo, Theo lets him know that they're almost to his room. And so, y'all, they finally come to his room. And Sam is like, ain't no way that that's my room. And so they go inside. And y'all, of course, like I like I thought... We see that Sam's physical body is in the bed, and he's hooked up to a ventilator. And he was like, how long have I been here? And Theo was like, long enough to be forgotten. But there's no way that I'd be left to rot like that alone. Like, I've got people who love and care about me. And... Theo says something very profound to him. And he says, you know, it's one thing to be celebrated, but it's another thing entirely to be loved. And, of course, you know, it's cool while you're supplying everyone with these party favors and all of that. But when you get down and out, baby, and them superficial, shallow people that you invited to your party, you know, if that's all you have around you, if something really happens, you know they just just finna move on to the next person that can give them what they're looking for, like, which is a good time, okay? So, unless you truly make connections with people, like, it's, it's just not going to happen. And so, we see Sam in bed with patches of his hair missing and lesions all over him, like, Barbette. Still, he just looked real sick. And so, he looks around the room and he sees these dead flowers and this medicine everywhere and alcohol, you know, scrub uh rubbing alcohol and all this other stuff. Just it just looks bad. And so he was like, "What happened to me?" And Theo tells him that his immune system got so weak that he lost his ability to fight off even the smallest infection. And so he was like, "Well, what about medicine? I you know, I'll pay whatever I need to pay to make me feel better." And He was like, "Um, I, I don't think money is going to help this life crisis." And y'all, as soon as he says that Sam's physical body jolts up. Out of the bed and starts seizing. Okay, he's having a really bad seizure and all he can do is look on in horror. He was like, somebody do something. I don't deserve to die like this. Theo do something. Somebody help me. Help me. Help me. And of course nobody is coming. And Theo can't do anything because he's already dead. Like yeah, it's just not going to happen. And so, as he's saying that, his physical body sits up even more. And when he sits up, of course, the ventilator circuit comes out of his mouth. And to me, it sounded like the physical body said, somebody help me like in a zombie fiber voice. But I might have just been tripping. So, either way, nobody's coming to help, okay? So then... After that, he wakes up in, like, this human-sized cage that's very similar to the ones that, you know, he used to imprison guys in. And so he was like, what's happening? Where am I? And there's nobody in the room. Like, there's no furniture. There's It's just an empty room, okay? Just a black empty room. And then we hear this voice, and it's like, what's wrong? Being locked in a cage not as comfy as you thought it would be? And, y'all, it's Henry. And Henry is dressed in a cop costume. And so, Sam basically tries to justify some of his pieces from his BDSM collection. But Henry says, you know, it's people like you that make the world hate people like me. And, you know, we're similar. But we're really, we, we have some uh you know some similarities that we're both misunderstood but one of the major differences between the two of us is that sam is literally like an egomaniac it's always about him okay so he goes on to say that it's one thing to have a kink but it's another to torture people and when he says that y'all big daddy Bane pops up okay And we see that he's got this whip in his hand. And then we see this man who happens to be laying face down on, like, this table. And we find out that this man is actually Sam's dad. And so Big Daddy Bang starts to, like, beat the crap out of him with this, like, this whip, right? And so Sam was like, you know, please don't do that. You're hurting him. You're hurting him. Y'all did... Did Sam's dad do something to him when he was little to make him turn like that? Like, was, was he touching him or was he just very abusive, like, in any aspect? Like, I'm just curious, but we never find out, okay? We don't know. And so the whipping finally stops, but then another man that's nicely dressed pops up, right? And so when he pops up, he's sitting, like, in his chair and his wrists are bound to, like, they're... They're hung, they're strung up above his head, and they're bound, like, with chains, like, wrist. At the wrist. And so, now we find out that this is Sam's first, this is Sam's first boss on Wall Street. And Sam tells us that although he worked his ass off at the firm, the truth is, he was never accepted because of his preferences, okay? Okay. And so, he decided to leave Wall Street and take back his sense of power that they had stripped him of. And so, you know, when he um, started collecting things and all of that, collecting men, you know, trinkets, jewelry, all of the stuff. That was his way to regain control over his life. Because he felt like the people that he worked with on Wall Street stripped him of that initially, okay? And so, y'all... His example of torture for this guy on Wall Street, this man got nipple clamps, right? Tell me why Big Daddy Bane just, he yanks them, y'all. He rips at the nipple clamps, right? He just, oh my God, y'all. And when he did it, his nipples literally came off, okay? So we just got, uh, yeah just flesh just you know oozing blood it's just running okay so yeah so that was (laughs) that was a very extreme example of torture um I even had to shudder when I saw that okay so I definitely didn't rewind whatever closed caption I missed right there y'all I'm sorry (laughs) I did not want to see that again so then, after that, we see Sam himself, he gets hoisted up and bound at the wrist, right? So it's time for him to finally receive some of that punishment that he done dished out to everybody else for so long, right? And so as Harry starts to disrobe Big Daddy Bane so he can get ready to punish Sam, Sam starts growing real frantic, y'all. Okay, he gotta hurry up and get the hell out of these restraints before Big Daddy Bane put this hurting on him. And so, he finally is able to break free. But when he falls, he hits the sand. So, now the scene has changed. And Sam is now back on the beach where his beach house is, right? On Fire Island. And so, he looks around. And before he completes his whole 360 turn, y'all, he spots Big Daddy Bane. And so, he tries to run away. But Big Daddy Bane is just way too fast for him. So he finally catches up to him and he grapples him, right? Like He he grips him pretty good and gets him in this nice little bear hook type of situation. And, of course, Sam is hollering and crying and fussing. And Henry tells him that the darkness always wins and all we can do is transcend. And so after he says that, Big Daddy Bane finally lets him go And when he lets him go, we finally see the boys with the antlers standing off in the near distance. And they're just kind of like looking at him, okay? And amongst the crowd of boys and antlers, there's Theo. Y'all, so we know now that it's time for Sam to go ahead and make his transition. And so he looks back at Big Daddy Bane. And... He does something that nobody else does, y'all. He pulls the mask off of Big Daddy Bang. And under the mask, there's this very handsome man. Like, he's very handsome, tall, blonde, blue eyes. Like, I, I'm assuming his ideal man, right? But I'm not quite sure who this guy is. So if y'all know who this is, please let me know because I have no idea who that guy is. And so he starts to kiss him, right? And they they have a, lot, a nice little lip-locking session for a quick second. And then the boys finally come to collect them, okay? And so Henry says, Well done, Sam. Well done. And as he's saying that, they pan back to the boys. And then when the camera finally is supposed to come back to Sam and Big Daddy Bane, both of them are gone, okay? So we know that Sam has transitioned, okay? And now um, it's just Henry standing there and he's holding an urn. And he walks down a little ways towards the ocean and scatters the remains, who I presume are Sam's, okay? And so this whole montage is basically Sam's life flashing before his eyes. And I believe, you know, within his montage, he also saw, like, major regrets that he may have experienced in his life before he finally passed. Or, you know, things that really affected him and the way that he chose to live his life. And so... Although, I can't stand Sam. Uh, I hope he found peace on the other side. Mama always said, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, then don't say nothing at all. So, that's the nicest thing that I I could think to say. But, Sam is now gone, y'all. Meanwhile, back at the hospital... Gino is going to go visit somebody and so he's walking down the hall and we see that the wing is pretty much abandoned of staff okay you've got linens everywhere it's very unkempt very unsanitary looking patients are coughing their heads off like like they're finna cough up a lung like it's just a really sad depressing scene and so he finally finds his way to Patrick's room and we see that Patrick is laid up with oxygen in his nose okay so now it's 1987 so it's been a while and so, he comes into, you know, Patrick's room and he replaces the flowers. He washes his hands and checks his medication, like his IV bag. And is like, oh, it's it needs to be, um, you know, replaced with a new bag. And he needs more water in his jug. And so, they both, you know, just need to be replenished. And so, Patrick looks awful, y'all. Like, he looks... So bad. He's got lesions on his face. And from the looks of it, when he looks at Gino, we can tell that he's gone blind. Just because his he's got that um the glossy eyed look, okay? And so it's just it's really bad for him. It's so sad. And so the doctor finally comes in and he's all donned up in his hazmat suit. And um he gives Patrick the unfortunate news that both his retinas have detached from the back of his eyes. So He's permanently blind. Okay. But what about an operation to just reattach him? Gino asked. And he says that these types of patients aren't eligible for the procedure. And I put that in quotations, okay? Um it, that's just crazy to me. And so of course Gino snaps off on the doctor, like, I definitely understand that. And I don't blame him because that's bullshit. And I get it, you know, that it's It's a new disease. You're not aware of how it works. But in the same token, like, these are still people. Like, I just, uh, yeah, I I just can't believe people were treated like that. And so, instead of someone defending his honor, um, based off the news that he just received, he just really wants somebody to be there with him and be present and offer him some comfort. And so, of course, Gino sits down and he was like, you know what, you're right. And so... Patrick tells him that he's very scared right now. It's a very uncertain time for him. He doesn't know how much longer he has. And so, it seems like, though, he's kind of accepted his fate. Um, And, you know, they say, like, when you get close to death, you just kind of know that it's coming. Okay, it's just a matter of when at that point. And so, he asked Gino to sell his life insurance policy. And so, Gino was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he was like, yeah, I need you to do that so you can pay for my funeral because... If he doesn't sell it, it's just going to go to his parents, and he doesn't want that to happen. So I'm not sure what type of um, relationship he had with his parents, Um, but I can only assume that it's probably not one that's good, because if it was, then he probably wouldn't be giving that money to Geno. So I don't know. And so like I said, it seems like Patrick has accepted his fate, and... Then, I'm assuming this is in, this is a hallucination because now Gino is gone and he's in the room by himself, but he's dropped the call light and so he tries to get it because it's on the floor now. Okay, so he's trying to reposition himself in the bed and you know, the water that Gino replaced earlier, he knocks it off the, the tabletop and um, it falls to the floor and so when he tries to get up, y'all, he tries to use the wall to help him stand up but because he's so weak he can't really get his balance initially and so he slips on the water that he just accidentally spilled okay and so now he's on the floor and they're playing this music like big daddy Biden's going to get ready to pop up but that's not the case and so we see that Patrick feels his way around the room until he makes his way to his wheelchair And so once he reaches his wheelchair, he sets himself up, and so he wheels out into the hallway. And when he goes out there, y'all, it looks like it's a scene out of a horror movie, okay? I'm just waiting on the serial killers to just step around the corner and just try to chase him down this hallway, honey, in this wheelchair. He can't see. And so instead of that happening, initially there's silence because he's like, you know, hello, is anybody there? Can anybody come help me? Silence, And then Barbara comes and she tells him to open his eyes. And so at first he's just like, I I can't, I can't do that. Like I can't see anything. And so she was like, open your eyes, Patrick. Yes, you can. And because like I said, at this point, I think he's getting ready to transition. His physical ailments are now slowly making way for his spiritual rebirth. Right. And so, He's now actually able to see Barbara and she's in her wedding gown and he asked her is she there to punish him. That is so sad y'all like <sighs> I didn't think that I would feel bad for Sam and how he died but y'all I Patrick Patrick was wrong for some of the stuff that he did but his whole death sequence it was so sad (laughs) y'all and so he asked her was she there to punish him and she says no there's nothing left to punish and she's there to actually help him see and so he takes her hand and they walk into this light okay so then after that she takes him back to one of his crime scenes and This actually happens to be the first one where him and Gino met. And it's the day after Halloween and it's 1980, okay? And I think they put that in there like that because of the crime scene that he was called to investigate. So there's this guy and he's got like these angel wings on um, with nothing but his boxers. And he fell from however many stories building, okay? And so he's, he's splat on the concrete okay and so they said that he jumped to his death or fell to his death because he was on angel dust and it was kind of ironic because he had the wings so maybe he thought that he could fly with the wings on angel dust I'm not sure but either way this is where him and Gino first met and so she was like you know of course you were married but you were unhappy and so we see that Patrick is giving Gino, you know, whatever information he can give him so he can put it in the paper, and Gino clocks him real quick and says that people like us need somewhere to go. And Patrick tries to play it off, but after a while, he ends up taking Gino's number, okay? Because Gino wrote down his number and was like, I I know what you're about. I know what you're about. And so he, he slid him his number and was like, don't keep me waiting for too long, basically. And so then she takes him back to August of 1977. And this time there's been a holdup at a bodega. And this is where he has another um, he has another encounter, male on male encounter. And so like I said, there was a holdup at the bodega and his partner at that time shot first and ask questions never. Okay. And I guess apparently he killed this guy that he shot. And so although his partner was a black guy, the truth is he still killed an innocent man. And so now they have to come up with a way to cover it up. Okay. And so he's trying to make his partner feel better. Like the the partner's in the shower and he's He's trying to get all this blood, you know, spatter off of him and all this and all that. And so Patrick is kind of like hanging out outside the shower and, and talking to him, right? And so he's trying to console him and tell him that, yeah, he did the right thing, but he's lying to him, okay? And so then the partner opens up the um, the shower curtain, and Patrick is looking at his face initially. He was like, yeah, you got something. You got You missed the spot right there behind your ear. And y'all... It turned steamy. So now, not only is it taboo at that particular time for it to be man-on-man, man, but it's also taboo because it's interracial. Okay? And so they start kissing. And it just so happens that McKay, he was walking by, and he looked in there, and he spotted them kissing. And so he comes in and is like, you know, what the hell is going on here? And so, of course, Patrick is startled, and he's not ready to come out yet. And so he pushes his partner up against the the other side of the shower, right? But when he does that, his partner hits his head on one of the shower handles. And so, y'all, I was thinking that the partner was going to end up dying um, because he hit his head pretty hard on that handle. And it was really quick, too, you know, so... Um, Patrick tries to play it off real quick and was like, yeah, this derogatory word, I'm not going to say that word. This derogatory word was kissing me on the mouth and this, that, and the third. And so McKay, he was like, okay, just get out of here, Patrick. Like I'll handle it. And so he ends up throwing the towel at Patrick's partner and tells him to get the F out. And so, um, like I said, that just could have went way worse than what it did. But then the scene changes, and we see that Patrick is... He's dissecting... It looks like he's dissecting somebody. And, y'all, here comes Whiteley. And he looks like he's Wightly's apprentice, right? And so, Whitley is trying to tell him how to basically, like, dismember this body or put it back together. I don't know. The guts are out, and it's a headless corpse, okay? And so... Wiley was like okay well go get the head and Patrick was like "Uh uh-uh I told you I can't even do what I'm doing now like I'm definitely not gonna go get the head and so Wiley was like okay fine whatever I'll do it myself and so y'all he goes over to grab the head and when he pulls the head out y'all it's Patrick's head and so he comes over and like puts it like tries to reattach it back to the body and everybody's looking confused including myself because i'm like what the fuck is going on here (laughs) and so barbara tells him that he was he was botched up as a person okay he screwed himself time and time again by getting into these situations by lying about who he truly was and then to get out of those situations he used others as scapegoats okay and he just kept doing it time and time and time again and although he was able to to get out of those situations, it didn't negate the pain that he accumulated while he was going through those experiences. And so, you know, Barbara was like, well, you know, the body always remembers certain things, though, until you learn to address how you feel and address those particular experiences, you know, you're just going to keep feeling this pain. It's not going to go away. So then... We get this scene where he's in the woods and initially I thought he was the one that was shooting, that was teaching somebody how to shoot, but he's actually the kid in this scene. So we go back to his childhood and we see that his dad is teaching him how to shoot a gun. Okay. And Patrick, when he sees this particular memory, he's like, oh no, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to revisit this. And Barbara was like, I know this is uncomfortable, but we have to do it. And so, the dad shows him a few times how to shoot the gun, um, but when it's his turn to practice hitting the cans, he misses both times. And so, his dad ends up snatching the gun from him and tells him, you know, to prove that he's not a limp wrist, and at that particular, you know, point in time, we know that that's a derogatory term, okay? Okay. And so there's one can that's left, and so he hands Patrick the gun and tells him to make him proud because, you know, he he wants to be a good shooter like his dad and his grandpappy. Well, his grandpappy, Lord, grandpappy. <laughs> okay. Okay, Mo. And so um, Patrick goes to shoot the gun, and he misses again, unfortunately. And so his dad flies into this rage, y'all. Like, he just rages. And he says the derogatory term again, and he takes more ammo out of his pocket. And Patrick makes the comment that, y'all, he didn't know if his dad was reloading that gun for the target or for him. And that is absolutely heartbreaking to think that you you can't leave your truth because if you try to leave your truth like at that point in time, you don't know if you're going to be killed or not. Like, that's so scary. I mean, even like, it still happens, of course, you know, it's not as common as it is, as it was back then. But we do still see stuff like that, you know, in the Middle East. Like, they don't have all of the freedoms that we have over here. And so it's just very, it's just very unfortunate that people still have to, Push down their truth. And so young Patrick tells his dad that he can do it. And instead of giving him the gun again, daddy taunts him. And y'all, he takes the gun after he's reloaded it and he puts it right next to Patrick's ear and he starts firing at the can. And of course he hits it, but y'all, he doesn't stop after he hits the can. He keeps firing until he empties the chambers. Okay, all of them. And, of course, this has to rupture Patrick's eardrum. Like, it's just ridiculous. And so, Dad, after he finishes firing the gun, he storms off. And he leaves Patrick there by himself. Like, just all of these emotions of sadness and hurt and disappointment. Like, it's just bad. And he's holding, like, he puts his hand up to his ear. And when he pulls it back, of course, he sees blood. So, we know for sure that he's ruptured his eardrum. Oh, it's so heavy y'all and so patrick was like it's worse than he remembered and then we jump back to present day and gino is still in the room with him and he's holding his hand and barb is standing off to the side in the corner okay and he thanks gino for being there and apologizes to him for all of the hallucinations because he doesn't know what's real and what's not anymore and so you know gino was like no baby that's okay like i'm here of course i'm gonna be here And so, Patrick looks over in Barb's direction, and all of a sudden, here comes Mrs. Pizzazz, And she starts singing, y'all. And she's singing, like, this weird tune. And I wasn't paying attention to the tune, because I knew what was happening. And so, now it's Patrick's turn to go to the upper room. And so, he's slowly fading away. Um... And then we see Big Daddy Bane into the room. And Gino holds him really tight as Patrick takes his last breath. And then he disappears. And Gino grabs his belongings and he leaves the empty room. Damn, Patrick. Like, it was... uh, This episode was so heavy, y'all. Like, I just... Anyway... So that's the end of the episode. And so I went I wrote down a note after I put the end on there because I do that with all of my shows to let me know that I'm done. But in all caps, I put that this episode was very heavy and it was very sad. And it just puts into the spotlight like how little they were thought of back then. Like a lot of people didn't have a Gino with them when they died. They died alone. And they died unacknowledged because of who they chose to love. Like, think, think of how sad that is. That nobody wants to come to your funeral. Nobody wants to pay you their last respects because of who you chose to love or sleep with. And that has absolutely nothing to do with them. Like, oh, that's crazy to me. But, I and I also put this episode was all about looking back on life when we reach the finish line and facing, facing, you know, just what we did and being held accountable for all of the things that we regret. um, You know, some of the hurtful things that we did that were very impactful on other people or on ourselves. You know, if we got hurt and owning our actions. And at the end of the day, hopefully, the hope and the prayer is that this all cancels out. So that we're able to actually find peace on the other side of this life. So, it was a really heavy episode, y'all. Y'all let me know what y'all think. I really did like the episode, but it was sad. Um, and I, Sam was such a bad guy. <laughs> I couldn't stand him, y'all. Y'all know I thought he was trash. But even I felt a little, some some tug at a very tiny string in my heart for him, too, when he died. So... Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I'm over all the sappy stuff. So we've got Gino and Adam and Fran left, and oh, and Hannah. Um, of course, we'll see what happens with Hannah and that baby. But y'all, let me know what y'all think. Y'all can reach me at Menu TV reviews on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm becoming way more active on Instagram, y'all. So I'm, I'm getting there. Okay, you can also reach me at uh, MyTVReviewsPodcast without the S on the end at gmail.com. You can also leave me a voice message. Just pop in and say hey to your girl. Everything is appreciated. I talk back, okay? So, um, yeah, just let me know what you think. Rate and review me um, so other people can find us and join the the Reviewers Podcast. Like, we're all family here. We just love all these shows. So, yeah that's all i got for you guys um i hope you guys have a wonderful wonderful um week because the week is from the start. y'all got two this weekend oh y'all must know that i love y'all i don't know how this week gonna go so hopefully we'll get wednesday out and um big sky out before friday and we'll definitely wrap up American Horror Story before the end of the work week. So I hope you guys have a wonderful week. I will talk to you guys soon. Um, and until we meet over the airwaves again, I am Mo, and I will talk to you guys. Bye.